Okay, joining me now for the second installment of Hunkering Down with Peter Schorsch is a dear friend, one of the smartest men in Florida politics, Paul Bradshaw of the Southern Group. Thank you, Paul, for joining us. Thank you for having me. You were basically the the first person that didn't have a, um, you know, that didn't work at the CDC that was kind of warning me and warning others about coronavirus and how bad this was going to get. How many times have you told people I told you so over the last uh, the last week? Well, so far, none, because, Peter, I have holed up an undisclosed location in Gadsden (laughs) County and I'm I'm no longer communicating with the outside world. How well armed are you? Have you um, have you have you readied your anti-missile system or explain the the, the depth of your uh, of your defenses at this point? Well, it's it's a it's a layered defense, Peter, as you might imagine. It begins with barbed wire and ultimately ascends to landmines and dogs that have been injected with testosterone. So, you know, in other in other words, it's just another Tuesday in Gadsden County. <laughs> All right, for the for the people who don't know you, what's your day job? So I am the president of the Southern Group, um, which is a lobbying firm in Florida that has a Tallahassee office and then four regional offices. And I have the privilege of working with what I think is the best lobbying team in Florida. What's the best regional office? If you had to, if you had to hang on to one regional office, which one of them makes the uh, post-apocalyptic? Well, so that's, that's sort of like that's sort of like Sophie's Choice, am I right? <laughs> um, it's hard to say. I'm just going to take whoever is, stand, whoever is standing after the next 30 days. They're the best office. Seriously, now, you you really were. I, 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 I tell this story to people now because it's not funny, but, like, I did get a call from a mutual friend of ours, and like, have you talked with Paul lately? And I'm like, about coronavirus? Yes. And this was... This was, you know, maybe the end of January, early February. And they said that, you know, Paul is, you know, sending out links. He's showing people, you know, what's going on in Wuhan. Um, And so, you know, what, I guess, keyed you to thinking that this was the real deal, that this one was different than maybe even SARS or N1H1 or that this that this was the this was the one? Well, I mean sort of knowing government the way we do actually um one night my wife sal and i were watching tv and the word about the wuhan based virus had just started to leak out and somebody from the cdc you know came on to the tv screen and said don't worry about this we don't think it's transmissible and we looked at each other and we knew at that point we were in a hole we would never climb out of so uh, that was sort of the original thing. But we do, you know, we do, we raise a lot of exotic chickens on our farm. We sell those and we import them from all over the world. And and we're actually, we actually sort of live in the virus transmission world as, as a result of that. Because, for example, for years you haven't been able to import chickens from Asia because of H1N1 and other variants of the avian flu. And, you know, occasionally the avian flu jumps into the U.S. and they'll go destroy, you know, 40 million chickens. And so we're sort of attuned to the way pathogens work, you know, in large populations. And 
and that's probably part of it. So uh, going back to the the chicken part, you're not able to you haven't been able to import any of the chickens that you have and you you run Green Fire Farms and um you know, it is a fascinating story uh that I urge people to like Google the cool stuff that you guys do there, but you haven't been able to import any of them. So, but you still have some of the, like the black, uh, the black uh, rooster that you guys are kind of known for. Yeah. The, the, the I am Samani. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a workaround you can do that that's perfectly legal and perfectly safe to get chickens out of Asia. But basically you have to move them from Asia to Europe and then get them tested in Europe. And at that point, they're European chickens and you can import them into the U.S. And they go through, you know, several series of rigorous tests. So you're sure that whatever you ultimately get into the U.S. is, is clean. Um, so, you know, that's typically what we do. But at that takes period of years in order to fully accomplish that kind of import um it's kind of interesting and i read this early on that coronavirus for the most part or uh this this um incident of it it's followed the the old spice routes that it's followed basically marco polo from the 1300s that it went you know china to iran to italy and it just kind of I don't know. I guess that speaks to it actually kind of reassures me as much as it's killing people. It kind of reassures me in the sense like we've been around for, you know, longer than yesterday uh, that the, that these that this not this kind of thing has happened before. But we have had this kind of we've had these trade routes going back millennium at this point, And I don't know. Uh, they will be there hopefully in 700 years, uh, you know, if they were here 700 years yeah, ago. Look, I mean. Yeah, I mean, they will. The The difference is the rapidity at which it spreads, right? I mean, in Marco Polo's day, it would take you a few months to sail across that body of water. Okay, Transmit yeah. a pathogen and, 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 you know, transmit a novel virus. Now it takes you a few hours. Um, and, and that's the difference. So there is, you know, very little response time that governments have now. How are you? Um, how are you genuinely preparing? Um, uh, how have you changed your uh, daily routines, if at all, um, right now in the face of this? Well, I mean, I, the plan for the firm is to the extent possible, and it's a somewhat limited extent. You know, people work from home, but we stay in you know uh, virtual face-to-face contact every day. For example, uh, yesterday at five. We had a video conference call that 31 people attended. We've already had another call this morning. Um, so we're, we're kind of creating a virtual water cooler where people can hang out and talk. And and then, you know, as, as sort of ancillary methods of communicating, we have text threads, email threads, and stuff like that. Um, in terms of our plan, I mean, our plan is to, as much as we can, responsibly engage in social distancing to, to help in, in this thing. And then when state government reconvenes, then physically all be in the same space again uh, and only hire young people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I that, knew that was a joke. Jim Smith was retiring. Um, that was a joke. Look, if I'm good, I, I figure if you and I are hunkering down together, we will just deplete the nation's strategic, you know, stockpile of Hagen Dazs and somehow weather this thing. <laughs> Who ate all the truffle oil in my bunker? 
Hey, I'm 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 just a I'm just a French vanilla guy. I'm really it's pretty straight up. Um, you know, it uh, it is it is kind of interesting. State government will have to respond here in six months, and I know it is not the right time to think about it, but there has to be some smart people that are thinking about what does state government look like when it reopens and and to a certain to a second extent i definitely think like we will not be doing the same things again like i think like people are going to realize well maybe maybe like in the world of academia maybe we don't need to build 40 million dollar colleges of business to teach principles that can be essentially communicated via teleconference and and maybe we save that money um and i i just feel like when we come out of this, and I think I, it is reassuring, like when you see China, you know that there is a way out of this. Um, it could be painful like Italy and France, but there is definitely uh, a way out of this. Is there a technology that you all that you recommend? I mean, do, any apps or techs that you like right now to keep the um, to keep the southern group together? Um, well, I mean, we're sort of using, you know, conventional video conferencing technology and then conventional text. And that seems to be and that seems to be pretty adequate. Um, uh, so, you know, I, we're lucky in the sense that all of us have entered into this thing at a time when, um, you know, communication is easy and and creates kind of a holistic experience i, I mean i think we're very lucky in that sense uh, you know but I, I will say with regard to government and, and hopefully i'm throwing out something you know that you haven't heard yet because you tend to hear a lot of things is i think the residual lesson from this isn't going to be so much you know how do we deal with the next once in a century pandemic because i think it'll probably be another century i think you know, the lesson we ought to learn from this is how do we deal with catastrophes on a statewide, national, global level that actually require, one, that we acknowledge the science, and two, that we pull together for our the greater good, even if it creates a temporary inconvenience with the long view in mind. And so... You know, I would hope that the lessons coming out of this, we can actually apply to things like, you know, climate change, right? And sea level rise and and uh, the infiltration of our freshwater resources with salt water. Um, those are the kind of things that we're going to have to address on a societal scale that is going to require some minor sacrifice in order to avoid tremendous pain downstream. And so maybe we can learn some lessons from that. You know, they, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. You know, I don't know if there are climate deniers when you're going through pandemics, when you're going through these things. Um, there are at least, you know, we, we, we seem to really love the scientists. We seem to really love academia when, you know, you, you and I'm not I'm not this isn't a partisan thing because I think it, it hits on both sides. It just like we have gone through this denial period of, of science and, and we need it. I mean, we need it for the challenges, like what you're talking about. They are not going to be solved by, you know, just populist slogans. Um, on a lighter note, cause I, I do want to keep these pods, uh, tight. Um, what are a couple of recommendations? What are you watching that you really think, 
the rest, the people that are listening to, give them some smart recommendations on things that you enjoy right now. And don't say contagion. Okay, the road. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, so look, if you want to avoid the whole you know, dystopian genre, uh, if you want something that's really light and mindless, uh, but a lot of fun, I would look at episodes. I, th- I think it was on Netflix. It might be on Amazon Prime. Um, which is, you know, uh, a multi-season series about some uh, British writers, uh, television yeah. writers who moved to L.A. And so yeah. th- that is a, that is a really that is a really funny, mindless show. So, you know, I would kind of go with that on the light side, probably. Matt LeBlanc. Um, and um, I think it's yeah. Starts- and he play and he and he plays Matt LeBlanc, and he kind of does it brilliantly. So, yeah. all right. Um, so that's uh, worth doing. Anything, uh, any, uh, I don't know, uh, quality of life recommendations. I mean, I know that all of your shotguns are cleared and, and, and I do thank you for the, the shotgun that I've only test. Well, I've never, I don't know how else I would have fired it other than to test fire it. I mean, it wasn't like I was using it in war, but, um, I, I did get to brandish that out and it was, it was, it was, it was reassuring to this peacenik that to have, uh, you know, when the zombies come here in the next couple of weeks to have, you know, at least a shotgun to ward them off for a little bit, but anything, any other, yeah, uh, I, I actually, I actually think the NRA ought to adopt a slogan. A gun is just a teddy bear for grownups. And, <laughs> Perfect. All right. We might, we might want to float. We might want to float that one to Marion hammer next time we see her. Well, Paul, thank you for <laughs> being part of the second edition of hunkering down. I, um, if you will make sure to have my truffle oil in your compound, um, I will see you in a couple of weeks uh, when. Uh, uh, all right. All right. Hang in there. Do push ups. <laughs> see ya.